So we are looking at Ruth, and we are going through this story uh, piece by piece. And uh, thanks to those who have gathered for the uh, footnotes on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I've learned a lot from that group. There's still time. We have two more sessions, 9 a.m., room one, footnotes. We're looking at kind of behind the scenes, Ruth, sharing what we know. Um, hopefully uh, we learn something together through that. So I've been learning a lot, and thanks so much for it. Just remember this story of Ruth and the character of Ruth is not a damsel in distress. I think that's one of the big points. I want to rescue this story from the stereotypes. Ruth is not a damsel in distress. This is not a romance novel. In fact, as we look at Ruth, she is a risk taker. She is a powerful woman who teaches us about the character of God. And so we want to see that. In fact, I think Ruth's a little bit of a rebel. Not a rebel in the way that my daughters were rebellious when they were in their teens. And some of you know that experience in your own household. Rebels without a cause. I remember being that in high school. Did you do that in high school? I remember one day my friend and I decided to wear our high top converse with jeans and, um, and uh, blazers. I'm still trying to rock the look. Uh, but in high school, we thought we were rebels. I don't know why. It was without a cause. Well, Ruth is a rebel with a cause. She is a person that actually breaks the rules. She often seems to go against societal structures, norms, and expectations. And once we begin to see Ruth in that light, we realize just how revolutionary this story is and how relevant it is to our present day and our time and our needs. So this morning, I just want to look at three instances where Ruth pushed the boundaries. Three times where Ruth acted in a way that went against expectations, where she kind of bumped up against the rules and pushed past them, okay? First of all, we have to go back to chapter one. Her first time where we see her really pushing against the expectations is in her decision to stay with Naomi. This is in chapter one and in verse 16, and we'll read that in a moment. If you recall the story, Naomi and Elimelech, her husband, and their two sons, they went to Moab during a time of famine. And when they arrived in Moab, unfortunately, Elimelech and the two sons died. Now, we should have known that the two sons were going to die. Why? Because their names mean sick and dying. Right? So that's a giveaway right there. Something bad is going to happen to these poor guys. And so they get to Moab, and within the first five verses of Ruth, all the male characters are wiped from the stage. And I think that's a very interesting way to start a story, especially in this culture in this time. And what we see instead are three women. So what we're left with is three women who actually come together in their time of need. And these are widows, and they are now all childless. They're among the most vulnerable in the population. And what we catch a glimpse of is three named women in the Bible who have a conversation with one another about their own self-care. They're not talking about uh, another man. They're not talking in the presence of a man. They're not talking with permission from a man. <laughs> These three women who are vulnerable are talking about how they're going to care for one another. And in the midst of that, Naomi decides to send her two daughters-in-law back to their families in Moab. 
So she says, you're released essentially from any obligation that you might have to me. Go back with your families. There's still time to find another husband. There's still time to maybe have children. I'm going to go back and maybe just die back home. I don't know what she had in mind, but she tried to send them away. Now, one daughter-in-law named Orpah, and her name means what? Back of the neck. She decides to go back to Moab. And what do you see? You see the back of her neck. It's very descriptive in the book of Ruth. But don't be too hard on Orpah. She loved Naomi. I mean, they embraced one another. They, they hugged. They wept together. There was a love, a bond of love between them. But Orpah did what she was told. She met the expectations. She actually did what was smart. She actually uh, listened to logic and reason, and so she returns to Moab. It's Ruth that's the problem daughter-in-law. She's the one that won't listen. She's the one that won't respect her elder. <laughs> she won't take direction. She instead does what's not expected. She says this, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. And where you die, I will be buried. That's unexpected. We get that? Ruth is, is going against the norms, going against the rules, and she's pushing back. Ruth's kind of disobedience in not listening to her mother-in-law is actually a huge risk. She's already vulnerable. She's already a widow. She's already barren. She was married for 10 years and had no kids. Now she's going to be a foreigner in a strange land. This is a huge risk that Ruth is willing to take. What's going on here? Is Ruth just kind of insecure and clingy? Is that what's happening? She's just in need, so she knows Naomi and hopes Naomi will kind of take care of her, or is something else at work? Okay, that's instance number one. The second time that we see Ruth kind of pushing the bounds and going against the rules is in the passage that was read for us today. It's in Ruth's request to the foreman in the field. So as you follow the story, Naomi comes back, people hardly recognize her. And she says, you know what, in fact, don't call me Naomi, call me, does anybody remember? Mara, call me bitter, because the fist of God is against me. That's how she felt. She wasn't denying God's presence, she wasn't denying God's existence, but have you ever felt that? that the hand of God is against me. There's so many troubles in my life that I don't feel that God is for me anymore. That was Naomi's experience. So as she comes back with Ruth, they're in desperate need. And so Ruth comes up with the idea. She comes up with the initiative. Let me go glean in the fields. Now, Ruth and Naomi, they knew the law. They knew that the covenant law provided for people who were destitute by leaving the margins of the field. So the instruction was, don't harvest to the edges of your field, right? Leave the corners, leave the edges, and let those who are in need of food come and glean and come and get some of that food. It's a good message to us today. We're not meant to live to the edges of our capacities whether it's financially or whether it's in terms of our emotions or uh, when we just fill our calendar full of stuff. We're meant to leave some margins, I think, for those who are in need. And that's the lessons that comes through here as well. 
So Naomi and Ruth know the law, and they decide to take full advantage of it. So Ruth heads out to a field, and she begins to glean. But did you notice what she did, what she asked for? She said to the, uh, the overseer, the, the foreman, she said, let me work among the servants, not the gleaners. Now, it's a subtle thing, but I think it's very relevant in here because Ruth is pushing the bounds a little bit. What would happen is that there would be a bunch of harvesters, usually men with tools, because men like to have the tools, they're lazy, and so they go and they work with their scythe, you know, and they start to harvest the grain. And then there'd be a whole group, usually women, the hard workers, in behind the men, and they'd be gathering up the grain. These would be the servants that would, you know, be connected to the farm or to the landowner. And then behind them, fighting for the scraps, would be the gleaners. Now, Ruth came and said, I don't want to fight for the scraps. I want to work among the servants. Please allow me to follow right behind your harvesters. Let me go there. What an interesting, you know, ask. What was motivating Ruth to do this? Was she just greedy? Was she, was she just arrogant? You know, I deserve to be here. What's happening with Ruth that gives her such boldness to test the generosity of this foreman and test the generosity of Boaz? Again, Ruth pushes the bounds just a little bit. Okay, and the third time. For the third time, we have to go to the next chapter. We have to do some advanced reading. And this is where it gets scandalous. I don't know if you know the story of Ruth, but I've been dreading this part of the sermon for a long time. Um, we haven't read it. We're going to read it next week. But let me give you a sneak peek at what happens when Ruth decides to go to Boaz. And it's Ruth's proposal to Boaz that shows, shows that she pushes the bounds. Naomi hears that Ruth has been in Boaz's field, realizes that he's a kinsman redeemer. He has the ability, the right, maybe even the obligation to not only buy back the land of Elimelech, to restore that, but also to marry Ruth to continue the line of Elimelech. And so Naomi is now excited. So she concocts a plan. What's her plan? She says, Ruth, take off that dirty old rag you're wearing that, that mark that you're still in mourning because you're a widow. Go have a bath because you stink. I don't know if that, that was, that was not in, the, that's in the, the expanded version of the Bible. Put on some nice clothes. Put on some perfume. And go to Boaz after he's been threshing grain, after he's had a few drinks. And while he's laying down to sleep, go and uncover his feet. I mean, what are, we, what are we to imagine here? What's going on? What's Naomi's plan here? This is just wild. Now, it's kind of interesting because again and again in chapter 2, it mentions and reminds us that Ruth is a Moabite. She's from Moab. And do you know how the Moabites started? It was Lot, the nephew of Abraham. And Lot had two daughters. And the two daughters did not have any children. And so one day when Lot had had a few too many, what did his daughters do at different times? They went and uncovered him and they became pregnant with his children. And Moab means it's from my father. <laughs> what, a, what a way to describe your firstborn. It's from my daddy. And we go, what? 
Yeah, that's the problem. That's where it started to go off the rails from Moab, right? And they get down to child sacrifice and worshiping a God called Chemosh, all this kind of stuff. And the passage reminds us again and again that she's from Moab. Now she's being asked to do something that seems a little scandalous, to go again and uncover a man's feet, to do what exactly? But here is where the story is redeemed. Here is where we can actually take off the PG-13 plus rating and understand that this is a story, not about scandal, but this is a story about integrity. That the characters of Boaz and Ruth are characters of high integrity. And that's very intentional. Because at the time of the judges, everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. But Ruth and Boaz are set up as the new couple to watch because they're people that have good characters. And so what happens is Ruth goes in, uncovers his feet, he stirs, and he says, who are you? She introduces herself again, but then she changes the script. She doesn't go with Naomi's plan, whatever that plan was. And she actually changes the script and she says this, I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. She doesn't say, here I am, take me now, right? She says, I've got a legal challenge for you. You have an obligation to fulfill, and I'm going to remind you of that obligation. <laughs> and that sets into motion some things that Boaz has to explore. That's what happens in the story. And so we see Ruth again giving this proposal to Boaz, where really she had no right to do so. She's a, a stranger. She's a foreigner. She has a Moabitess, right? She was given a task from her mother-in-law, but she changed the, the script, and she goes instead and challenges Boaz to fulfill his obligation. It's amazing. So what's happening here? Is Ruth just trying to get a man, or is actually something else going on? So here we see Ruth pushing the limits. The power structures, the legal system, the patriarchy, all that's happening within the context, Ruth is pushing through all of that for a purpose, and she wins. She succeeds. So what was the motivation? Well, it wasn't personal gain. Ruth wasn't actually after a man right? Ruth wasn't actually just after food to fill her own belly. It was actually her loyal love for Naomi that gave Ruth the courage to break the rules. And that's the heart of the message of the gospel of Ruth, as we might call it. It's this loyal love of God. Now we have a word in Hebrew, and we're gonna put it on the screen right now if we've got it. And the word is chesed. Now you can put a lot of ch into it if you want. Just be careful, your neighbor in front might not appreciate it. But chesed, it's this word that sometimes we translate love or steadfast love. We translate it in a number of different ways. But Ruth is the living example of God's chesed, of God's loyal love. Daryl Bach said this, Hesed is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God, love, covenant, faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. In short, 
acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. That's the important part. I mean, Orpah really seemed to love her mother-in-law, but Ruth chesed her mother-in-law. She went beyond the requirements of duty. She went beyond expectations to do something greater. I was thinking about this this morning, just before I came out to the service, and my youngest, youngest daughter, Kira, she had to go to work today. And I realized that her car was covered in snow. So I chesed Kira by going and uncovering her car and uh, wiping off all the snow. I just want to say that she gave me permission to do so as an example today of going beyond just what a father is meant to do. I meant to give her food and shelter, but I cleaned her car. That is kindness. It's going beyond. Anyway, I won't play it up too much. But you get the idea. Kindness, this chesed love, is going beyond expectation, going beyond your duty. That's what Ruth does. And uh, kindness, when I hear the word, sometimes it seems kind of weak to me. Do, do you ever feel that when you say, oh, he's kind? It's, it's like I think of a, um, a, a Labrador retriever puppy or something, you know? It's, it's just kind of nice. It seems kind of weak. And I blame Blockbuster Video for this. Does anybody remember Blockbuster Video? Anybody have a recollection in the, the vague recesses of their brain? of having to go out, actually get in the car and drive to a place. I'm not talking about DVD collections. I'm talking about VHS, maybe even beta. Uh, but you get to Blockbuster Video, you rent your movie, you get it home, you put it in your, your VHS player. And at the end, when it pops out, there's a little sticker that used to be on it. What did it say? Anybody remember? Yes, everybody remembers that. Uh, be kind, please rewind. And I thought about that as I was preparing this message because I don't know why, but it pops up in my hand, head so many times. And it seems so innocuous, it seems so benign, and yet it is an act of kindness because your only obligation is to return the video that you rented. Kindness, going beyond your obligation, is to get it ready for the next customer, <laughs> right? And so there's an act of kindness, even this. Well, this is what we see active in Ruth. Those three occasions that I shared with you where Ruth was pushing the boundaries also happen to be the three times in Ruth where Hased is mentioned. It's kindness at work. That's the motivation. That's what moves Ruth to break the rules, to push past some of the boundaries, to do what she does out of kindness for Naomi. In fact, we find that kindness in the Bible is a powerful, powerful concept. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 2, in fact, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That's a great lesson for all of us. Sometimes as a church, we've kind of preached that it's the judgment of God and dangling your feet over the fires of hell that will lead you to repentance. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, remarkably, that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That him going above and beyond any expectation in showing his love for us, that that's what actually leads us to repentance. At the very end of Ruth, uh, the women who are observing this story from kind of a distance, maybe gossiping about it from time to time, uh, they make this observation to Naomi. They say, 
your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given birth. Better to you than seven sons. I mean, in the Hebrew concept at the time, that's the perfect family. That sounds like a nightmare to me, but it's the perfect family of having, you know, the perfect number of children, and they're all boys. Do you know when my family came to Canada from Scotland, uh, there was actually a point system that allowed you to, you know, have a certain number of points, and then you'd qualify to uh, immigrate to Canada. And so my family had five boys. So because they had sons, they actually got more points. Can you believe that? I hope that system isn't still in place. Uh, but that's how we got to Canada anyway. Uh, but here, the women are saying, it's far better to have Naomi than have even seven sons. Because Naomi chesed you. She loves you. Her kindness to you goes beyond whatever is expected. And so I think Ruth for us is an example. Ruth in the story shows us God's kindness toward us, but also sets an example of how we are to be kind to one another. I mean, can you imagine in our world if we were kind to each other? Like, honestly, if we were kind to one another on Facebook, that would be different, wouldn't it? Uh, if we were kind to one another in our families, in our neighborhoods, if we responded and reacted with kindness, that sense of actually going above and beyond whatever the expectations are, that's what Boaz does with Ruth. The law said, leave some food for those that need it. But the spirit of the law says, feed those who are hungry. Go above and beyond. Boaz captures the spirit of the law, right? He shows God's kindness through this. There's a saying that I, I've come across, maybe you have too, and I think it's actually an adaptation of a quote from Albert Einstein, but the saying is this, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And I think that's part of the power of the example of the story uh, in Ruth. Well, during the time of the judges in Israel, when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, God uses a barren, barren widowed, foreign woman to show the example of his covenant love to the nation. This is what Paul says in the New Testament. God uses the weak things, the, the presumed weak things of the world to teach the wise, right? This is what's happening here. And through Ruth's loyal kindness, Naomi is redeemed, and so are we. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the actions of your servant Ruth. We thank you for this story that you've preserved for us through the generations. We thank you for her place within the family tree of your son, Jesus. We thank you that because of her boldness, her courage, her kindness, her love, that we are here today, knowing redemption that's found in her offspring. So, Father, help us to be kind to one another. Help us to practice your hesed, your love that goes uh, beyond just the expectation, beyond the obligation, and reaches into that loyalty, that covenant faithfulness that you call us to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.